0: Welcome back to another week of Ghost in the Scene. I'm your host, Gio Champatazzi. I'm back with my co-host, Rob Thomas, and we are welcomed with a very special guest, Chaz, Chaz of the Dead. He is a recent author of a great book, Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for the Friendship, a story of UFOs, Nazis, psychedelics, and an expedition to the edge of the world. Chaz, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Being an author is something that you know I've always wanted to do. Um, how is it writing your your? Is this your first book?
1: Uh, yeah, it is. Um, and it was uh, it was kind of a weird process. I kind of first released this, um, you know, first volume of research as a podcast initially, and it was like a five episode one off little docu series. Um, and it was mostly you know I wrote the scripts uh, while I was traveling um you know on location so it was kind of an unfinished product and after it finished um uh, you know I had all this leftover material that didn't make it um and all the the initial material and I decided to put that together and by the end of it I had twice as much content as the the podcast had and uh, yeah I decided to, to put it out and uh you know share it with the research community
0: wow that's, that's incredible. That's really inspiring, honestly.
2: Are you self-published or, or did you find someone to, to help you get this material out there?
1: Um, I self-published. Um, I shopped around um, to some, you know, smaller, you know, independent kind of horror publishers. Um, and no one really wanted to bite on a, you know, a non-fiction paranormal. Um, there wasn't really that, that appetite there. And there were a few, few offers. Uh, but not really uh, uh, much benefit coming my way and I had built my own kind of little following so I decided to um, release it to to you know them to my fans and release it myself um, and it actually got picked up on um, a couple uh, couple shows and podcasts and uh, started hitting this kind of uh, little little cult popularity uh, so uh, I'm, I'm glad to be uh, you know contributing. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And honestly, it's great to be, you know, in the realm of the nonfiction paranormal. And I think that's something right. that, you know, people might scoff at. But in reality, you know, that's kind of how the true believers see it. You know, it's, it's not fictionist. and it's not it's not some kind of sp- spooky tale, although you can be scared by ghosts. You know, not, that's not necessarily the object of what ghosts are trying to do.
1: Right. And, and, you know, it is hard with that, that label nonfiction because it is it is these stories that are reportedly true. And of course, everyone's heard uh, a story, you know, even the, the most diehard believers have heard a story and been like, eh, I don't know about that one. You know, it, it happens. Um, but that's part of the, the fun and the genre is that each, each piece of evidence, each story is almost a thought experiment in itself. Um, and it's something you, you get to spend time with and, and ponder. Uh, so I include the, the stories uh, about this case in particular, um, pretty uh, true to, to how they were reported. Um, I put my opinions, you know, at the ends of each chapter, kind of in a summary, uh, and I'm harsher on, on some areas and nicer to some areas, you know, I have my own biases as a researcher. Um, but I think uh, it's uh, an intriguing argument I try to make.
0: Honestly, that's the hardest part about being in the paranormal community is having to sift through, you know, what's phony, what's not phony, what, what's believable, what's not. And, you know, coming to that, your own conclusion is, is a difficult one because then, you know, you, you find yourself in a certain lane and other people kind of have more extreme ideas, other people have more limited ideas, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard to be like, okay, well, I'm in the paranormal community, but I don't go, you know, we have a moon, a moon base, or I, you know, a hollow earth, or the flat earth, there's just certain things that where we kind of intersect with other communities, but we're not really a part of them, you know?
1: Right, yeah, there's, you know, there's a lot of division and, and that kind of stuff, and um, and when I started out, you know, many years ago when I was a teenager, kind of just toying with these ideas, I was much more in that kind of realm where, you know, I thought ghosts are, are this thing and then maybe UFOs are, are real and then who knows what Bigfoot is. Um, and as I kind of got more into the research and conducting my own experiments, um, kind of moved on to focus on what facilitates these sightings because it seems to be a similar threat throughout all of these uh, encounters. And it seems to be related to our our consciousness in a degree. Um, And that's kind of the angle I'm looking at. Uh, It it borders on psychology. Um, Definitely still pseudoscience, (laughs) what a scientist would call pseudoscience, but it's trying to take it from, you know, EVPs in a dark, empty hotel into something that's more of a a reputable experiment, um, something you can repeat over time and get similar results.
0: That's great. Yeah. That's kind of what we like to do here too. You know, we, we like to present, you know, evidence, facts, just things we see as, as unbiased as we can. It's, it's really hard to, 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 to not put your spin on it, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, you're just trying to get the truth out. You're just trying to get like what what you believe is the, the closest thing to the truth. And many people might not like it or many people might not get it. And it's, you know, it's not for everybody. But the paranormal is just kind of something, like you said, when you're a teenager, you got into it. Um, I'm guessing this has been a lifelong passion for you.
1: Um, Yeah, it started um, when I was uh, much, you know, probably eight or nine, I had a a strange experience. Um, I was sharing um, uh, a room with my older brother. We had just installed bunk beds, Um, and I promise this is all relevant, Um, and he was sleeping on this bottom bed, and we built this bunk bed on top of it. So he got moved to this top bed, and I got moved to this bottom bed. And a few weeks into this, you know, sleeping arrangement, I, I fell out of bed. And uh, middle of the night, I see this pair of red eyes staring at me from underneath the bed. And it's almost like, a, you know, thinking back on the memory, it's almost like a ca- Halloween cartoonish graphic. Like, it's just a cheesy kind of pair of red eyes you'd see in a, in a movie. Um, and being a kid, I jumped back in bed and put the blanket over my head and, you know, waited till sunrise. Um, and when the sun did rise, I got out of bed and I started digging for anything under the bed that could have made, you know, an electric light, you know, and I was a young kid. There was a bunch of junk under there and I'm cleaning and I'm looking for things. And my older brother, he's coming down the ladder of the bunk bed. and He sees me doing this. And without me saying anything or explaining what I'm doing, he asks, did you see those red eyes too? Um... Uh, and it's because he had that experience, you know, a month before, uh, sleeping in that same bed. And for me, that was kind of like an aha moment. Like, well, I like even the most rational ex- explanation is that we just had a shared dream. But mm-hmm. that in itself is, is some kind of telepathy, which is paranormal. It, it was evidence yeah. that there's definitely something, something weird going on. Something, and yeah, that,
0: that haunted bunk bed.
1: <laughs> you know, it was it was a weird one-off because nothing ever really happened um, again like that in that room or related to that. Um, you know, I've never considered my, my childhood home haunted or anything. It was really just that one weird experience.
0: Um, you, you know, what's interesting about ghosts is, you know, and, and also just with, with people that see ghosts is that usually it is only one time because mm-hmm. after that, it's like you turn on the awareness and it's like you're always looking and it's like they have that that thing where it's like if you're looking they won't come. you know it's mm. so it's that weird filter where like as soon as you become aware of ghosts and then that you know now have seen one, it's harder to see them afterwards and that, and then it becomes an actual like job. then you work to, to actually communicate with ghosts. It no longer becomes this like simple, trick that you can do at, you know as a child at least
1: and yeah maybe
2: definitely. before you answer to that, sorry i, I might want to like maybe push on what Gio's saying as well and say like have you developed any ways since that time to be more effective at communicating with ghosts that isn't so passive you know obviously as investigators we want to try to be as active as possible if there's any techniques that you've developed since that time true
1: um so actually what kind of kind of started me uh, down the road to what eventually led to the book um, was an attempt to do that. Um, and it started with these experiments that um, I had, had an idea that uh, the phenomenon was related to our consciousness. So my plan was to uh, take mushroom teas, uh, hallucinogenic teas and play okay. the Ouija board uh because you know every everyone says ouija board no no definitely bad you'll you'll yeah. you'll definitely see something speak to something and i conducted these experiments i took vigorous notes you know evp sessions throughout um nothing nothing nothing, um, nothing really occurred except in between the experiments um well so the first thing i saw the first Paranormal thing that occurred was uh, I was just, just prepared one of these teas. I was setting up for one of these experiments, and I just began drinking it. Um, and you know, mushroom. For clarification, are
2: you doing this on your own, or are you doing with others? Are, are you relying on your own energy? Are you trying to like set the energies within anything else?
1: So these were we were solar uh, solo experiments. Um, but mm-hmm. before each psychedelic uh, experiment, I do a pretty traditional Buddhist meditation. Um, kind of a mix of, uh, you know, different, uh, yeah, yeah, one might call it chaos magic. I do a a centering ritual and um, definitely get in the right headspace for 30 minutes to an hour before conducting one of these uh, psychedelic experiments. Um, And that's something I do, uh, you know, before each one, Um, you know, other psychedelic uh, experimenters, psychonauts think maybe that's a little silly, but uh, I definitely, I definitely respect uh, those things. I no- don't necessarily believe in it. Um, the, the Ouija board's a good example. I've had mine for for many years and used it many times and haven't really had any ill will come towards me.
0: Uh, yeah, they always say that, you know, and, and it's, I, I honestly don't know you know, where these anecdotes are coming from, that their Ouija board has attacked them. But I, I haven't met a single paranormal investigator that doesn't use the Ouija board as like a tool. You know, most people say that they collect them that we've talked to. So it's, it, it's an interesting thing. It seems like the, the non-paranormal community kind of shits on Ouija boards and uses it as a, as a scapegoat. But, you know, reality, it's, it, it's a tool that's kind of hard to use. I mean, just because it really doesn't work, like, 60% of the time. If, if yeah, I would say even higher. Yeah, maybe that. higher, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely maligned. Um, and interestingly enough, it's the same. Uh, I do think it could have those negative effects. If you're only – maybe you saw a Ouija board movie um, once as a kid – and you grew up in a super Catholic family, and then you play with the Ouija board, that might cause a weird, what science would call schizophrenia, but what the the church would call a possession. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think there's a very blurred line between those those two things. Um, But a person who is raised in that Catholic background, I think the best thing for it is an exorcism. It's the same mechanism that allows it to happen, this almost what a lot of people would call an irrational belief is what caused it. The same mechanism through exorcism can, can release it. Um, So that's a whole, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird concept, but I think for the most part, if you're, you know, if you're not, if you're not sure (laughs) that you're going to get possessed, then you probably won't get possessed. If you're like pretty sure it's going to happen, then there's a pretty good odds that it'll happen.
0: Uh, Well, it's that energy, you know. It's like you're you're inviting like a vulnerability, and you're sending that out. This like I'm vulnerable, I'm vulnerable, and you know the idea of of spirits energy. It's it's synonymous to 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 some. I would say, to in in my personal opinion, I mean, what is a soul but just energy, just boundless energy, right? So I don't know. Just the idea that some. Like dead people, th- their souls, their energy, wherever that goes, it can get attracted if you are vulnerable, if you're open, and a possession, you know, could be a lot of things. You know, it, it could be over time, just like a, a change in personality, or it could be, you know, drastic, like like you were saying, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I, I've, and I've I've heard also well, uh,
1: the the concept of walk-ins. Where it's not quite a you know a demonic possessing entity like you see in the movies, but it's like you know someone down the road died, and for whatever reason there's extra space in your brain, and they just hop on in. I believe it was um, uh, Billy Milligan who had 23 distinct personalities, and they all kind of just they they asked them, and they all just said they kind of hung out in his head. And one would stand in this kind of center spotlight and then they get to control the body. Um, and they, they would speak in different dialects. Some of them knew different languages. Uh, and it's these really bizarre things that, that are definitely unexplainable. Um, but we kind of just wrap up as, Oh, you know, he just made that all up. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe. that's one of those things where, you know, we can guess on forever. And we, we, definitely a few hundred years from knowing that, that answer.
0: Right. If at all.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, but it is coming from,
2: from somewhere, even if he's, you know, quote unquote, making it up, it's, um, you know, it takes quite the imagination and then there's like you're we were, this whole conversation is talking about these sort of subconscious levels that we may be tapping into. And so I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, you were talking about doing, bringing it back to the experiments you know, trial and error, obviously the scientific method. You said you were taking some of these teas, Ouija board, not working out so much. What, what was the turning point where you, where you started to see some success in your experiments?
1: Uh, right, so I, I, uh, we started going down that route. Um, so I had prepared one of these, I was getting ready for one of these experiments when the initial strange thing happened. I had just started sipping um, this tea and you know, typically mushrooms take maybe 45 minutes to an hour to kick in. This had been only maybe five minutes, ten minutes of, of, of sipping. When I see, um, I'm sitting in my backyard and I'm watching planes cross the sky and leave, you know, trails um, in the sun setting. And I see this one object. At first I think is a plane, but it's getting brighter and brighter and there's no blinking. And suddenly it bursts into several smaller objects and they just scatter off. It almost looks like a, you know, like a spaceship re-entering and exploding. Um, it was very bizarre. Uh, and being in Florida, we have that kind of, you know, satellite re-entries and things. So I, I did the research and I tried to find any information, any reports, any, you know, uh, news coverage, any scientific uh, documents covering it, nothing. It, it seemed to be this one-off thing that, that only was, was fairly localized to my area. And I thought that was, that was pretty bizarre. Um, I kind of, you know, just wrote it off. Though I wasn't, again, I was doing Ouija board experiments. I was looking for something, you know, demonic, more or less. You know, some kind of ghost activity, poltergeist activity. I wanted my chairs to start stacking themselves. You know, mm. I was—that's what I was looking for. Right. Um, and that was the first kind of strange thing I, I saw while doing these experiments. Uh, a couple weeks later, I, this would be about in between two experiments in the middle of the week, I was conducting these weekend experiments in the middle of the week. I was explaining this first encounter to a friend of mine. Um, and we were sitting roughly in the same area where I saw that first, uh, first UFO. And he kind of says, all right, yeah, you know, mushroom teas, you saw a UFO. Cool. Great, great story, whatever, you right. know, kind of shrugging it off. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I understand. Um, clearly a, a reasonable response um, and we start to hear a, a low hum this kind of mechanical hum um, and past the tree line there's kind of a light uh, one of us jokingly says you know oh, maybe that's the ufos you know like they're, they're here to visit us and almost ironically this large triangle shaped craft there was a light in each corner it just kind of slowly hovered over the house. You could hear the hum the whole time. And it was low. It was lower than any plane or helicopter. I could have throw, thrown a rock from the street, and dinged the side of it. It was you know, very low down, just above the tree line. And it kind of just hovered there for a minute and just buzzed on by. It kept going at this pretty slow pace, but consistent. Um, and here in uh, where I am in Florida, this is part of the, the Gulf Breeze Flat, which in the 90s, uh, a slew of these exact same triangle craft were seen up and down the state uh, on the Gulf of Mexico side. So it was kind of this weird, again, this second confirmation. Um, and there was nothing ghostly or paranormal besides those two events related to those experiments. And I conducted... Um, six or seven of those uh, experiments. And those were the two, you know, events that occurred. And that kind of really pushed me past thinking that these are really separate phenomenon to more of the idea that, you know, something else is, is occurring. It, it, you know I can't ignore the fact that I had this intention. I was like, okay, I'm gonna take these substances and I'm gonna see something paranormal. And, you know, I was thinking, ghost and uh, you know poltergeist anything like that and the phenomenon said okay you want to see something weird i'll show you something weird and (laughs) it it took the the left turn um so uh, i've kind of been rolling with it i've kind of been experimenting with different variety of cases um and the the friendship case was a you know kind of the first really big ufo um and it's it's hard to call it really a ufo case because it's UFOs are strenuously connected, um, but the first kind of high strangeness case that I really took on, um, and it, it's definitely been, uh, it's been bizarre.
0: <laughs> right, I mean, once you hop into the paranormal world, it, it just gets weirder and weirder, and just more synchronous, you know, like the more people you meet, and the more connected everybody is, and you take a step back, and you realize that, you know, we live in a very small world in a very large universe. It's like very – things are just unexplained, and, and it's hard to, you know, sit with that a lot of the time. But it's kind of interesting and nice to sit with some things that, that are unexplained, you know? And the phenomenon that people tell you and all the things that, you know, I've – you know, countless ghost stories that you hear, and you don't know if you believe it. But you know that when they say it, they believe it, you know? And you kind of back to your idea of, like, perception – that you know, like you can get into a state where it is the truth, where you do believe because it happened to you. And you know, I, I've had a UFO sighting as well, and I mean, as real as day. I mean, it, it was it was very interesting. My whole family saw it, and it wasn't like it, you know, it, it not it's not a secret in in our family, but it's just kind of like a known. Like we don't even talk about it anymore. But other people, yeah. they spend their whole lives like chasing UFOs. And I don't know, your idea of maybe having a little bit of that mushroom tea and then mm-hmm. throwing out that intention, that energy. I think that's one thing, you know, when you use a Ouija board, you're trying, you're like trying to connect, right? It's like that ET phone home kind of thing. You're trying, you're sending out a signal and maybe some kind of telepathic signal that an alien can read a readable signal Mm
1: -hmm.
0: some kind you know and then maybe in that way the paranormal and the alien are connected just in the fact that you know that energy is somehow tappable via spirit or via alien
1: right so I, I kind of take it even uh, to an extension past um, aliens when it comes to, to a variety of the phenomenon. Um, and th- this comes from the idea of, of biocentrism. And this has been an idea in philosophy for a long time, in, in Gnostic philosophy. But um, Robert Lanza, who I believe is a ner- neurosurgeon, um, Dr. Lanza, he wrote uh, Biocentrism, which is kind of a modern scientific take on this idea that, uh, you know, reality is almost, almost entirely sensory, right? It takes place up in here. Without our nerves, there's no, you know, touch, sight, smell. And he extends the, the senses to include space and time. And that's where it verges on things that Einstein was theorizing about, um, it gets into quantum mechanics, things that I'm definitely not qualified to explain. Uh, so if, if you do wanna know more in the specifics of the science, please check out uh, that, that research. Um, but if we take this idea uh, that time and space are also part of our, our limited sensory perceptions and that they can be altered just as much as any of these other perceptions, then the idea of, you know, ghosts and entities from the past and the future or from different realities or different planets, all of this becomes, you know, not just uh, possible, but pretty common because rea- all, the, all realities of all these sentient beings are clashing and combining. Uh, we only agree on this kind of common reality. And if if you've noticed, it's still pretty hard <laughs> to agree on that. Con- Most people still don't agree yeah. on what the common reality is. So it's all very, very uh, subjective to, to each individual. And I think that's part of uh, the phenomenon uh, and how it facilitates itself. And... As an investigator though, I have to admit the most intriguing cases are when it breaks that barrier where it's not the individual, it's a whole group, uh, a whole schoolyard, Um, you know, an entire office building sees a a flying mothman, you know, it's those kind of cases where it's it's extra intriguing. Um, So that's why I now try to conduct my experiments with, you know, with people around. you know, witnesses, because, uh, I, you know, conducting these psychedelic experiments, I kind of discredit my own eyewitness testimony, right? It's hard to take it at face value. But if I can see something weird, and my companion can also see something bizarre, and then we have, a, you know, another super sober person sees something weird, then we can kind of get this, this kind of repeated phenomenon in a group setting that's what we're really looking for to push it past the the individual if we can move it past that stage um because you know if i if you just want to take psychedelics forever you can start seeing you know ghosts and monsters and how real those are are going to be only subjective to your individual experience and if other people aren't experiencing it that's how you you end up in a, a loony bit um right. <laughs> so it's definitely a uh an interesting conundrum. It's hard to experiment with something ob- experiment with consciousness objectively because you are a conscious being <laughs> observing it. So it's impossible to do it unbiased. You just try to mitigate it as much as you can.
0: Now, I mean Here's a question, because I, I know that there are listeners, you know, want, want me to ask this. What about ghosts as helpers? The idea that, you know, let's, let's say our perception, of course, is going to be skewed. But what if we have like a double blind, you get ghosts to do the experiment for you. And then you ask the ghost what they got in, you know, that way you're out of the equation but the only – you'd have to have a way to connect with a ghost and be friendly with a ghost f- for them to do it for you.
1: Yeah, to, to develop uh, those kind of consistent relationships. Um, I, I, I suppose it's possible. Uh, you know, I've tried doing some summoning experiments. I've gotten some bizarre results, um, uh, some borderline violent polterge- poltergeist results on one attempt. Interesting. Um, but, Uh, From the most part, and from the research I've done, uh, most entities seem unable to maintain long-term contact or unwilling, um, And emphasis on that latter. Uh, I think a lot of the times, you know, these entities who are making contact are doing it for mischievous reasons. Um, You know, if they are existing in this, um, you know, ethereal realm, Uh, higher or lower or different than us then the only it's kind of like the only it's kind of like vice versa in this situation the only people bothering to interfere with the other realm are kind of weirdos right (laughs) you know the the ghost hunters and Mm -hmm. you, you know uh those kind of people they're just poking and prodding and i think um if it is a a higher realm there's probably not too much respect coming down towards the human realm. So I think there's a lot of, of times you see entities leading people on wild goose chases, um, you know, promising things like, oh, no, the world's definitely going to end. Tell everyone, all pastor, tell all your church that the world's going to end on this date and, and get everyone to believe it. It's true. And you know it, we see those ramifications all the time. I do think that person's experiencing something real, um, but you know it's it's just real to them. And whatever the entities are are getting out of it, um, it doesn't necessarily seem to be beneficial to to humans uh, a lot of the times. So using them on a consistent, uh, you know, uh, paranormal basis treating them like entities and using them on a more consistent paranormal basis is, is pretty difficult in the experimental terms. Um, Mm. I definitely interested in what's more kind of like the time loop kind of hauntings where uh, a good example is here in my city at the Ringling museum in Sarasota. Um, the, it's the circus, uh, Ringling circus, um, uh, john ringling built this big venetian palace on the bay and it's said to be haunted by his ghost and it's this pretty consistent footmarks just appearing on the cold tile you know when you have a warm foot stepping on on tile like that um and it kind of just seems like it's just for whatever reason him walking through the halls you know kind of over and over again mm. and it doesn't seem to be too much they don't really they're not really open for night investigations but there doesn't seem to be too much um you know communication going on it just seems to be more of this weird kind of replaying of of a past event and those are things if we could you know kind of capture on a repeated basis that i think would make uh really intriguing evidence that would be hard to ignore
0: right just get some like like a guy who does wet cement And he does the floor. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) One week you take a photo and then you just do it again the next week. You pave it over and just see if the footprint's still there.
1: Yeah, I actually that's weird you said that. I just read the other day about a um a medium, and I believe it was 1920. And they that was how they they tested her. Is they had doctors and professors, they held her to the chair, they held her hands and arms. And she commanded the spirits to push their the spirits' hands into wet cement, and they they had the impressions, and they couldn't they couldn't explain it. Wow. Um, even H- Houdini, I believe, was asked to explain <laughs> it, and he just never responded. Uh, so it was one of those bizarre ones. Yeah, it was an interesting mediumship case. Um, not that I'm. I believe you're, that's Mina stuff. Crandon
2: that you're speaking of, I believe, right? Yeah,
1: I think that 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 is the the name. I'd have to double yeah. check, but um, yes, those the weird clay polymer stuff that they use to test are um, pretty pretty intriguing stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it also goes to show that this is you know we we're on a lineage. You know, I think when whenever we are doing these tests that we are standing on the shoulders of those who came before us. And especially in terms of, of time, it makes me wonder, you know, about the timeline also of ghosts reaching out to us, because obviously this is not a one-way communication Um, Mm. and how it's becoming more and more mainstream that people are realizing that any sort of phenomena or UFO, you know, we're, we're so, stuck in our human flesh our human bodies our human perceptions we're saying like oh aliens need to be from carbon based but there's no real reason we don't have actual evidence to say it, it should be like us and the more we learn we learn that it's more unlike us um so i don't know if that's that's something for us to be hopeful about or is it something to be like oh are we ever going to find out because it's it's just so beyond us
1: uh i, I- I think it has a, a, I think we have a ways to go, um, especially yeah. when we hear the, the idea of, you know, um, people talk about the singularity and how it's right around the corner when it comes to machine learning, or which I think might be the bigger one, um, faster than light travel. And that especially comes into play when it comes to these, you know, UFOs, the craft that people are seeing. Um, but with both of those, it it comes down to a basic misunderstanding of, of consciousness and of individual reality. Um, you know, you can keep crossing, uh, wires forever, but you're not going to be able to put the ghost in the machine. You know, it's not, it's the, it's the issue that we haven't resolved. It's the thing we haven't really acknowledged that there's something non physical to our, our consciousness. Um, and when it comes to the faster than light travel, it was back to Einstein who theorized that once you, the closer you get to faster than light travel, that's when objects shrink and time, starts to move differently. Um, and this has been confirmed. It was theory when he talked about it, but it's been confirmed. Uh, one little element though, that's not really acknowledged is he said, this happens for the observer, for the person on board or close observing that craft. Mm. And uh I pretty much through my research I I posit that what would it look like to watch a ship travel through space and time as a human being with our limited sense of perception with our six colors what does that look like and I theorize that it looks like a psychedelic drug trip. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why People who have been abducted, who have ridden on these craft, they come back with these unearthly stories that sound ridiculous and insane. It's because they are. It's because that's just how they perceive them. There's so much, you know, mind bending things happening that it's just the mind trying to process it and it comes off in that psychedelic way.
0: Wow. Well, so we're running out of time. We have so much more to talk about, but it's great to talk to you. Um, Where can our audience find you?
1: Um, I'm available at ChazOfTheDead.com, ChazOfTheDead on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, check out my book, Paranormal Expeditions, Hunt for the Friendship. Uh, It's available on
0: Amazon. It's great talking to you, Chaz. We will have you back to talk about more of your investigations out in Florida. Um, Hopefully we get the Ringling case locked down. This sounds interesting. (laughs) Thanks, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys.